I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym, and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at Kind Farms Inc. All one word. That's K-I-N-D-P-H-A-R-M-S-I-N-C. And their website is kindfarmsinc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is Ryan10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Ladies and gentlemen, today on An Actor Despairs, we're continuing with our international coverage and have amazing actress Antonia Campbell Hughes. She just had this movie called Cordelia that'll be coming out in October, but I've seen her in so many other things, like Bright Star opposite Ben Wishall, and she's about to begin production on her film that she wrote, It Is In Us All. She's worked for such a long time and really opens up what it's like to be an Irish actress working in Britain and the UK and moving to Europe and all those different circuits that we don't hear about often. And it's really enlightening, and I'm so grateful Antonia really opened up here it is. Antonio Campbell-Hughes, welcome to An Actor's Spares. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Ah, I'm good. Thank you so much for being on. You know, I'm such a big fan of your work. I love Cordelia. It's an awesome film. And the fact that you co-wrote or adapted the script, is that how that worked? Um, well, so the writer-director, Adrian Shergold, um, he's kind of like a... He's very a, a very respected um, uh, like national treasure almost in the British film industry, and so he's been around for a long time. And most actors really adore him. So I had been directed by him in a, a TV show called My Mother okay. Mother's It was like a BBC period piece, and um, so I met him on that. And in the duration of that, we have, have this sort of like kismic. Connection, I suppose. Um, is that the right? Kismet? Kismet? Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, just go for it. <laughs> that one, that one. A sparkle. And um, so in the midst of shooting, he kind of took me aside one day and said, I have this project, that uh, a script that he'd written many years ago, and would I be interested in looking at it? And I kind of went, why? In what time? Yeah. And, um, and he said, oh, just, just have a look at it. Just have a look. And um, and he knew that I've been writing for years. I've been writing as long as I've been acting, kind of, you know, screenplays and development, screen art. So he sent it to me and gave it to me, and we met with the idea that I would play Cordelia. But because it had been written by him, and it was kind of, uh, it was a very loose script. I mean, it was quite stream of consciousness, if you will. And yeah. um, it was like a kind of, it was... He's very interesting because he had written it sort of as um, his some of his personal experiences with creative license through mm-hmm. a female character's journey. And so he really wanted me to put my stamp on it if I was to play the role. So I went away and I did another pass on it and very yeah. much kind of infused my own voice and what I thought, you know, um, to make it much more a, a woman's journey. Yeah, and then, totally. Um, and sort of modernized it a bit, but I think um, 
I think it's very much, uh, that's what I think is so interesting about the film is, is kind of like a cross generational. There's like a traditional sort of almost seventies feel, which is what he is, where he comes from. And then sort of my, I, uh, my career, I've been doing lots, you know, I'm much more, uh, my path has been like Euro co-productions. So that's kind of the marriage. I love that. But let's let's build uh, back up to this, if you don't mind. Let's start from the very beginning. You, where, where did you grow up? Um, so I was born in Northern Ireland, and I moved to Switzerland when I was two. Wow. So mainly in Switzerland and Germany and the States. Wow. Oh, so you grew up in the States as well? Only like three years, from five to eight, in Wilmington, where? <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. How did that happen? It's my father's work. Okay, cool. And then are your parents artists at all? No, not at all. So wh- where did that bug start to infiltrate? Um, I don't know. I think it always seemed kind of inherent, but I think there is something. I mean, I've, I've come across this with other actors as well. Sometimes we moved a lot and... Um, it just seems a natural process to kind of um, live in concepts. I mean, that sounds very arty nonsense, but, you know, um, I kind of, you kind of, not that you recreate yourself, but you, um, you get the opportunity and the privilege to observe lots of different types of people, lots of different types of environments. And that kind of, um, repurposing and uh, observing different ways of life and different trajectories and narratives is very compelling to me. I love that. That's amazing. And and were you doing classes or like a conservatory of any kind? No. So um, I moved to Dublin when I was 16 and I did my final year of school there. And I was kind of like... I was in punk bands. I was really into that sort of thing. That's amazing. I love that. I'm a punk guy too, as you oh, yeah. maybe know. Yeah. Just... <laughs> I moved to Frankfurt when I was 11, and I sort of fell in with just a couple of kids that was into kind of, I don't know, I mean, like from crass and conflict and exploited and all these things. Yeah. And it was not my time. I was like this little blonde girl, but um, for some reason, that's what struck me. Um, Did you wear, wear the Doc Martens? I mean, I had a mohawk. Like, oh, you went for it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, if you see yeah. those photographs. And so that was, I was like, this is where the truth of like passion and where, you know, real humanity lies and where yeah. there is like, diversity and people understand each other and there's kindness and standing. And um, I really saw it as like a family, you know, and it's quite international, the punk world, as you know, you know, it's. Yeah. So, um, and I was a child, kind of really into that. And then I was in punk bands and I thought, well, that's what I want to do, but that's not really a job. So I went to art school, uh, which is kind of the nearest thing. Yeah. For what, what kind of art? Uh, I went to just a fine art school. I went to one in Dublin and then I transferred to New York and I went to Parsons and I got into fashion, really. Oh, I cool. Like, I went to NYU. So, okay, r- cool. right. We were neighbors. <laughs> yeah. So how was that experience? It was good, but I was very young. I was 17. And um, I think like Manhattan, 42nd Street, where uh, Parsons was a bit full on at the time. So I went back to Ireland and Dublin then really became my home. Like it was the first time I properly lived in an English speaking country. Like probably not really because my mother is Irish and I was born there. I felt like I really wanted immerse into the ground you know like i really wanted to prove my irish heritage and connect with it as a place and so and it, irish heritage is what you would classify like if you had to you know it seems like you're a citizen of the world but if you had to say I'm, you'd say you're irish yeah definitely that's amazing but it took a long time to get there you know because um i went to schools where uh i had a very strong american accent as a child and, um, you know, I was claiming to be Irish, but it sounded like I was, you know, like, so oh. back, whereas I was born there. So that's, yeah, but now very much strongly feel very Irish. That's so beautiful. And then who, 
you know, I mean, obviously you're an artist, you know, through and through and a screenwriter and an actress, but like, where did the, you said you started screenwriting at an early age. Where did the acting screenwriting path start to open itself to you? So, um, I was in fashion for a couple of years. And then when I was around 21, I'd always had an agent because I'd been street cast on little thing when I was 16. Um, I then sort of got the bug. I don't know how that, I was in fashion and, um, in fashion when you didn't have enough money to have like uh, catwalk shows during fashion week, often like other, uh, creatives, photographers and stuff would collaborate and do conceptual video pieces. And in that process, I kind of got the bug properly and, um, went to London, uh, got an agent. And I think my first, I got a job quite quickly and it happened to be, Comedy, British comedy, and uh, in a TV series, like a BBC thing. And wow. the wonderful thing about, I mean, it, my story is kind of like, Whoa. I love um, that though. Yeah, I mean, well, it was very unexpected because I don't think I'd ever seen a British comedy series other than maybe Faulty Towers in German, possibly. Yeah. Um, but, was this before uh, The Office, like Ricky Gervais's office, or? In, when would it have been? Maybe 2007? Yeah, so that's that's probably right as it was getting adapted in America. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Um, so then talk to me about this experience. Well, the, I'm sure you know, like, you know, all the great comedians, they do tend to um, work with each other over and over. It's like repeat yeah. process. They tend totally. to, like, sometimes they'll write, act, produce. You know, they kind of, people seem to be, so they wear many hats. Yeah. And so, um, that job, I was really encouraged to write. Like, it was a British comedian called Jack D, and he really encouraged me to write, and they were very supportive. And that's kind of how that began. And, uh, I, yeah. So I was in comedy pretty much exclusively for the first three years of my acting. And then, I mean, I grew up really loving European art house cinema. And yeah. so. I really wanted to uh, stretch my limbs in that arena. So I stopped doing comedy. Uh, Did you feel exhausted by it at the end? Because I know it can be stamina-wise quite intense and exhausting. Um, or, yeah, you know, just because you got to be on all the time, you know? Funnily enough, the first job I got was like... um the sitcom, I suppose it was called, um, it's called Lead Balloon. And it was often compared to Curb Your Enthusiasm because it okay. is a somewhat, it's about a, a man who's normally a stand up, who's right, does comedy, and Jack D is that in the UK. And uh, so, but my character, I was playing his daughter, and she's very deadpan and very low energy. So <laughs> <laughs> I just played this kind of disgruntled teen for three years of my life. Um, wow. Yeah. It's great, That's, though. I mean, yeah. And then I'm curious, because, like, you know, here in the States, I'd love for you to to maybe be able to explain this, you know, for, for some of the American audience listening, is that, like, in the way American acting works is, like, it used to be that if you wanted to be a movie star, you would go to L.A., and if you wanted to do theater and work, possibly in other mediums, you would come to New York. And the Ireland UK thing. What is there? Is there? You know, because I know now I, I, the Irish film industry is booming, and maybe it didn't look like that at one point with war torn Ireland in the nineties. But you know, what, is it similar like that or not at all? Um, well, I mean, I'm sure right now things will change again. You know, the way things are. Yeah, too sure. When I started, it was very much you had to go to London. Um, because Ireland was very specifically, I mean, even though they made wonderful films, um, it was before, like, uh, you know, it was before Game of Thrones and all that, which really put Ireland kind of on a global map, I think. And um, But Ireland was very much theatre-focused, and I really, I mean, I loved cinema, and so it was that you had to go to London. Um, I think now, in the, especially in the past decade, things have become very global. You know, people, I mean, now we have Zoom as a new thing, but, you know, you have Skype uh, auditions yeah. and tests and, you know, you can kind of be anywhere and nowhere at once. 
But, yeah, it's so, it's so true. And how, how was it, you know, coming to London? Did you have a support group or a friend, someone to help you kind of guide you through the London bureaucracy of acting? Or were you just flying blind? Totally blind. I mean, it's funny. I think um, I met a casting director and they asked me uh, for a headshot and I didn't know what a headshot was. So, <laughs> I've been there, man. <laughs> no, it's so green. I didn't yeah. I mean, I'm quite different to actors as well. Like when I was growing up, I didn't know that acting was a real job. Like I didn't, yeah. I didn't know it was something you could do, you know. Um, uh, and I also, even at school, I mean, I did some theater productions, but, uh, it, you know, I saw it for the confident, pretty kids and I was, <laughs> I was punk. So um, that wasn't possible. You're stunning. Are you kidding me? Uh, Come on. But um, I was an awkward child, you know, uh, awkward person. But not to be complained about. But um, no, I think it's funny because, you know, I it does come up sometimes. People say, how do you get into the business? Yeah. And I, I couldn't really... I know other people have like, you know, the thing you should do is find a good drama school because it definitely gives a platform. Um, I didn't. I really... The cinema that I loved was uh, when people were real and there were street casts and discovered... You know, like, like the I mean, gas far and away kind of street cast, or yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. Like the New York vibes. I love Harmony Korine, and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, totally. I've been trying to get on his radar forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that was that was kind of yeah that was always the sort of thing I really loved, and um, and I still really appreciate it as an. I mean, I love craft now, but truth and the kind of uh, you know, someone said to me once that. I like the Bresson School of Acting, which isn't, you know, it's a, some actors find insulting, but it's kind of, you know, you find the correct person yeah. to fit into the film and you let them just be themselves and the director positions them. That's so beautiful. And this agent that you had, did, were you staying with them during all this? When I first started acting? No, in London, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I literally packed a little bag and went and rented a tiny little studio in Brick Lane and just, I thought, um, I'll give it, you know, two months and see what happens. And then I got a comedy show. Wow, that's amazing, Cordelia. That's so cool. And and when the comedy show ended, do you feel, you know, because like right now, I think we're seeing a real trend, you know, like Brit Marling and you know, yeah. the Plus brothers of, of people that are creating their own thing that your experience with that comedian who kind of taught you that, did that stay with you after you left the show? Did you keep writing? I did. Um, but weirdly, I, I kind of had learned sort of self-taught how to write for comedy. And again, it was a time when they were, BBC was really good at sort of opening up and broadening and they were commissioning all these little comedy pilots and I mean, I did, you know, there's some amazing actors that came from that world, like Dan Kalua. Do you know Dan? Yeah. yeah, of course. I love him. Yeah. I mean, I did this tiny little comedy pilot with him, like amazing actors came from that world initially. You know, Dan as well. He, um, he wrote on Skins. It was like a British comedy or not. Skins it wasn't is one of my all time favorite shows, you know? <laughs> Yeah, Jack, no, Jack, Jack O'Connell and, and Nicholas Holt. That was like their their beginning, you know. Yeah, and, exactly. and, and and Kaya, right? You know, like all of them. That's amazing. Yeah. I I tell so many of my American friends to watch that show because I don't mm -hmm. know if you know they adapted it in the states. Oh no, it was, it was horrible. It was so bad. So people think it's that one, and I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Really? That's so, I mean, yeah, because I remember, like, but I think what they, the beauty was in the casting of that. They found just these really special young people who kind of brought such life, you know, and truth to what they were doing and the characters they were playing. Um, and, yeah. uh, and I know, you know, we're, we're jumping down the line a little bit, but I know you did Bright Star with Ben Wishaw, you know, when I think Americans think of not London cinema per se, but like BBC. We think of, of period dramas. Was that something you were trying to kind of avoid, or did you just want to work? Not at all. I mean, um, I love a good period drama. Yeah. <laughs> You're mean, perfect. Yeah. But it's funny. Um, Bright Star was a, a big thing for me. You know, I was obviously a huge fan of Jane Campion. 
And it was a time when I was very much entrenched in comedy. And what I had seen was that, you know, I was just doing, I was being asked to do comedy back to back and not really being seen as a dramatic actress. And I was very young, I guess, still at the time. And um, so Bright Star was uh, quite, you know, it was a like a little window out into this world that I wanted to be in. Um, and, um, but yeah, the period drama that I've done, or the period pieces, like um, I did one, um, I was in one called Albert Knobs. It was really special, it was Glenn Close. And I remember every day on set, they said, we are not making Downton Abbey. That's a bit. I mean, it's, there's, it's, Downton Abbey is a wonderful, wonderful world and everyone adores it. Yeah. But it's clean. And yeah. um, I really love period pieces where, you know, in the times, people smelt quite bad and, you yeah. know, they watch us frequently and everything took a long time. And it's really nice when you watch a period piece where everything looks authentic rather than made by an art department, you know, where it looks like the wood looks heavy and textured. Some, I mean, I could be wrong here, but something maybe like Peaky Blinders or... That's a great example, yeah. 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 I mean, they, they, that show um, is a really great balance of having such, like, action and grit. So yeah. it has a slightly modern feel. I mean, the music is very contemporary, and um, but it's very truthful as well. You know? Yeah, and and before the rise of, of streaming in the States, the way it used to work is, you know, we as actors, we would do some television to get the films. And is it work the same way in the UK? Obviously, now that's done. Now that streaming and all the greatest content is on the streamers, you know. But when you were younger, was that the same trajectory you had to follow to get these credits to get the Bright Star movie, you know? Um, I don't, I always thought that television and film were very separate camps. Yeah. But it seemed to be that way. And I think kind of it still is. I mean, I've always seemed to be in the cinema camp. And, you know, it's, I mean, people always say you're as, as people remember you for the last work you've done. And it does seem to be no matter how successful one is or how, you know, vast your career is, that is kind of the, the, the path. Um, and but you know and and obviously there's such uh t- the quality of television is so great now that it is quite cinematic yeah. but um you know i really i have a great love for cinema i'm a real i've really felt the flag for independent film and yeah. especially now i think it's so important it's to, imperative yeah to really yeah. Put, for everybody to put effort and will and invest so much into that because it could be a dying art form, unfortunately. I just had this talk yesterday with some filmmakers. I'm curious to ask you, you know, is the British independent scene hanging on or is it fledgling like it is here in America as globalization has made these Marvel movies, you know, a global phenomenon? Is it been the same experience there? Well, I think, I mean, specifically, I think that the past three months is going to be a big change. Yeah. That's what I. That's where I I'm put the question mark. I mean, I think over the past couple of years, um, the cinema world has been quite good because of co-productions. Europe, you know, so many uh, multi-language cinema and uh, European countries and foreign film having much more of a standing in our English-speaking territories. You know, in the States and the UK, etc. You know, we they're no they're no longer foreign films, but they are films that we yeah. that we give uh, we shine a light on. But with the current COVID crisis, pandemic, yeah. etc., um, everything's in flux, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think there's you know just a really sad question mark about you know I've had maybe three auditions since this pandemic has started and. You know, a lot a lot of those productions even have question marks about, you know, the union here is called SAG. And yeah, yeah. when, sorry, I mean, you lived here, but, you know, SAG has had a standoff with all the other ones just because of, uh, of the safety of it all, you know, and the sheer amount of volume it takes, even on yeah. an indie set, you know, and all the hands and all the different, I don't want to say touching, but intimacy, you know? I mean, it's, it's really interesting because... Um I mean, I'm very, very schooled in this because during the lockdown time, I, you know, I was start, used to start shooting my own film, directing it, um, 
at the end of June. So obviously that was pushed and now it's October. But the COVID protocols, I mean, I now feel it's like, you know, I mean, I know them inside out. I had to do a COVID pass. I'm fully aware of everything and insurance and stuff that you never would have had to think about before. It, is this, it is in us all? Yeah. Oh, amazing. Cool. Uh, but before we get there, you know, when you were in London for so long, I mean, it's hard not to ignore, you know, the amazing theater scene there or the indie theater scene like Don Mar, you know, yeah. and all these other amazing places. Was was stage something you were ever interested in? You know, actually, when you asked me earlier about um, the kind of transition from like comedy to film at that time, very specifically in London, there was this, if you didn't go to drama school, then you had to prove yourself through theater. That was yeah. very focused there. And I had done neither. So I was like, stay in comedy. That's the only place you can be. <laughs> so I took myself off and I went to Dublin and I did a play, uh, a project called uh, Roberto Succo. That yeah. was with a very good cast. And I was, you know, it was terrifying because, um, I mean, I was, Dublin has, you know, is really respected for its theater. And I was absolutely like, the com- BBC comedy moron. <laughs> you know, how dare <laughs> I get the stage. Um, and then I went and did, um, straight after that, I did a play uh, at the Royal Court. Wow. And that was acceptable for them to be considered for for a cinema at that point by casting directors. Because there is that, you know, there's like a certain level that you have to prove yourself. And then I, I know you did Breakfast of Pluto, you know, someone like Killian Murphy. I know he's a male, but was was that a big influence on you? You know, um, that came about before I was ever an actor. So oh, was, that, uh, that was the street cast that you talked about? Yeah, no, I have been street cast to something else before that when I was much younger. Well, around the same time. But um, I think Neil Jordan came across me sometime and I looked quite punky, actually. And... He got my mobile number, like a little, you know, like a little Nokia thing. And um, I got a phone call saying, would I do this part? Because they thought I'd be bold and daring. And I looked young and they needed someone who looked like a, an underage 70s prostitute. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, Very yeah. specific. I love it. Yeah. Um, and it's terrifying, actually. But um, that was, I think, the first time I'd ever been in a film set. And I knew Killian a little bit. So that, Dublin's very small. Everyone knows everyone. And, um, and so, yeah, that was that. That was that. I, I, I just always looked up to him because, you know, he always does great television, great film, and then always does really amazing plays. And I just had the chance about a year ago to see Grief is the Thing with Feathers. And oh, wow. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I heard some Yeah. Oh, man. It was, it was mind-blowing. But let's continue on, on, on your path, you know, when – when you start getting more and more of these credits, and, and I believe Bright Star was nominated for an Oscar, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was. I mean, well, yeah, I think it was. It was a, yeah, yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Oscar, yeah. <laughs> when, you know, things like that start to happen, you know, I, I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about the awards and, you know, because it's not necessarily always a meritocracy and sometimes it can be very political, but it's an amazing film and I'm, I'm not discounting that, but I'm curious to ask you, you know, when you have that kind of success and you're in a film of that caliber, I imagine you get to start being a little bit choosier about the work you're wanting to do. Um, I think that, um, things like that just, I think what it does specifically is that, um, people who love those kind of films, then you're seen by just, you know, you're, you're more kind of visible. Got it. And that, I mean, you know, like I've, I've casting is a very interesting thing. And it's just, it's very sometimes, as much as we don't imagine it to be true, um, sometimes it's hard to find actors. You know, you, you, so I think if you're, if you're a filmmaker and you're making a certain type of film, you look at the films that you respond to. Yeah. So being in, even though it's quite a small part in Bright Star, I suddenly was seen for things that I wanted to be in. Um, what really made a difference, I suppose, to my career sounds, I hate saying those things. No, 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 no. It's not pretentious at all. Please. Well, um, after Bright Star, there was a little film financed by Screen Ireland at a time when they put quite a lot of money into things. I mean, it's low budget, but it was like two or three million. And um, 
it was a film I wanted badly. It was just very beautiful script. And I thought, I think I auditioned like 20-something times. Wow. And so the director really wanted to street cast somebody. And I worked hard to get that role. And it was very sort of immersive. And it's, it's like one character's journey throughout. And then that film went to Cannes and it played a director's fortnight. And it was received very well. Didn't it almost won the Palme d'Or, didn't it? No, no, that was, um, I think Bright Star was that. Oh, Bright Star. Okay, sorry. I, I kind of mixed up. Yeah, yeah. It's just, that really changed things for me because then, you know, for what followed from that were awards like the Berlin Al Shooting Star Award and like, you know, the Screen Stars of Tomorrow, all those things yeah. that would put you, they just help a lot. Yeah, they open doors for you for producers and filmmakers that maybe don't know of you yet otherwise. Yeah. And I think for me, it was very much where I wanted to be because, again, uh, the Berlinale Award, it's, it's very European. You know, it very much introduces you to a kind of European cinema arena. And, and is that something as, you know, you said your mother's French? No, she lives in France. Oh, okay. So I, I, I asked that because do you have both passports? No, I just have a British and an Irish passport. But British, but British and Irish let you travel around the EU, even though they're not yeah. part, right? Yeah. So you you could work in any country, right? Yeah. Did that start opening? You know, because like I know so many American projects started shooting in like Croatia and yeah. other things like that. Like, talk to me. You know, I mean, obviously. America is America and, you know, popular culture here is what it is. But is there a moment with your team or with Antonio where you're like, I'd, I'd love to start doing some American projects? Um, yeah, I mean, I've worked in the States quite a, a few times, a fair bit. But, um, you know, it's always been, again, it's always been little independent cinema, you know, films. Yeah. Been, that's always been the thing. Like, I... Um, I did a very beautiful film called Split when, uh, in New York, the director called Deborah Kampmeyer with Morgan Spector. Oh, and Morgan was on my show. Morgan's a friend. I love him. He's yeah, wonderful. the best guy ever. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, and, but it was the nuttiest movie. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Bananas. Yeah. Um, feminist film. You know, I mean, that's kind of what I've been doing. But, um, uh, yes. But I think that particular director, she's really special. She made a film um, many, many years ago. There's a Sundance with Dakota Fanning called Hound Dog, which is beautiful. And it got kind of, uh, it was it was received, I mean, it was very early uh, Dakota Fanning. I think she was kind of a child. And it was questioned whether, you know, it was over-sexualizing an underage actress, etc. But that seems, I mean, I've just, you know, I'm, I guess I've been lucky to always do interesting work. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've worked really hard for it. And I'm curious then, you know, obviously, Sally Hawkins executive produced Cordelia, right? Mm -hmm. And you said this filmmaker, you know, gave you the script to, you know, because he was interested in you and wanted your own kind of personal taste into the script. Um, I'm curious when, when you, you know, because that's very different than comedy, where at this point, did you have experience writing dramas? Or do you feel like because you had done so many films and worked with so many awesome filmmakers, that was sort of your film school, so to speak? What, making Cordelia? No, no, no. All the other work you did oh, leading yeah, up yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, the thing is, I just, I've always felt that um, every single choice you make and every bit of work that's on your CV is who you are in the present. You know, I mean, like, I have I have been on quite a number of sets. Like, you know, now that I'm starting to make my own films, you know, it came up where people were scrutinizing, like, how would you know how to direct or write? It's like, you, as an actor, you learn so much on set, and especially if there's if they're sort of ever-evolving and they're always changing. Yeah. You learn from every, every experience. And, um, and that's why I think Cordelia was really, is really special. It was a very special experience making it. And it's a very special piece of uh, film because it really is a marriage of two generations. Adrian's much older than me. You know, you can see his, the sort of cinema that he's grown up with and is very passionate about. And that's why he wanted to work with me 
So he had initially, I think, sort of formulated it, uh, formulated it, the right word? Um, yeah. With Sally. Initially, they're very close. And that was a while. And then that kind of passed on. And I knew Sally as well a bit. And, um, and it was like, it was like I was handed over the chalice. <laughs> That's amazing. It. It's yeah. it, the, uh, one of the reoccurring things I talk about on this podcast is like the difference between good acting and great acting. And you're a great actress because no other actress. And I, I don't know how I feel about that word. I don't like it because I think it like, you know, pits us against each other. No other actor in the world could have played that role the way you did. And. I think it was just such a beautiful performance. And I, 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 you know, it's, I think my favorite films leave you with questions more than they do answers. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I walked out of that film with some like really interesting, I like, I, I don't want to say since American Psycho, there've been others like the machinist who's also starring Christian Bale, but it was a very interesting film. And yeah. I'm curious, you know, when when you when you did your pass, was Sally pretty hands off, or did she completely? Yes, that's amazing. No, no, I mean, she very much like. Um, I just left it with Adrian to give her blessing. Firstly, you know, because you feel like you're stepping in someone's shoes a bit. It, it's it lived with her for a while, and she absolutely did. And yeah, yeah um, she came to. We shot most of it in studio in Twickenham Studios, and she came a couple of times. Um, and yeah, it's lovely. But yeah, very hands off. Yeah, and how was working with Johnny? Great. It's the second time I worked with Johnny. So um, we did a film together that went to Tribeca, like I think in 2012, called Lotus Eaters. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this funny little black one. And so Alexander, who directed that, is a very close friend of mine and colleague. We worked together all the time. Um, so Johnny, I think, had been doing exclusively music up to that point. Like he'd stopped acting. He'd been a child actor, I think, or something. And then, so Lotus Eaters was the first time he'd come back. And then it was really nice to work side by side again um, on Cordelia, you know? And that's, I mean, that's the kind of, the, that's a way that I've always liked to work. I like to kind of develop and nurture relationships and then we collaborate over and over. And Adrian, I think, had the director had worked with Johnny before as well. So, it was, yeah, it's great. That's so beautiful. And then as you started to, you know, get shot out of the cannon, like justifiably so, do you feel like you find yourself interested in acquiring the rights to books or do you find it more interesting to write your own, you know, personal screenplays? So far, I've just been um, really interested in original pieces. I love um, that. Yeah, I, um, but then I've always, like, for years I've been trying to develop things, you know, um, about uh, people from history, historical pieces. Um, with Screen Ireland, I've been developing story of Lucia Joyce for about eight years. Wow. Uh, with Alexander McGuinness, who wrote and directed um, Lotus Theatres that I did with Johnny Flynn. Um and it's, you know, it's complicated because when you're trying to make a, uh, write a story or make a film about someone from history, it's about how you showcase them, about how you represent them, especially if you're playing them. I seem to have played and portray portrayed a number of people who existed historically. And that's quite a, I find it quite an undertaking. There's a lot more responsibility on your shoulders. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And, and how tough was it doing the, you know, I mean, I know it was probably in the first act of the film, but the, the twin thing, was that was that tough building two different characters? Um, I found it a dream. Yeah, I feel like it would be. <laughs> I, did it, I mean, at first, the prospect was daunting, but the doing of it was just a joy. I really yeah. did. Because, you know, a lot of the things might, I get... I get very bogged down in detail and I mainly um, it, I needed to know that it was going to be convincing rather than like a parody of twin, you know? Um, yeah, of course. And, but once I felt confident enough that it was going to work, then it was just a joy. I mean, we actually shot a lot more than is in the actual film. Like the twin features a lot more in what we shot. And then we had to be Got quite, it. they had to be quite brutal with the edit of it. Um, but yeah, it was really funny because 
I've always believed in sort of being an actor, just being truthful. And then I was very, I've become much more fascinated with craft, you know, about literally being quite chameleonic or chameleon, which, you know, chameleonic, um, in terms of the work I do. And even with Cordelia, like I, I like the fact that she's this kind of like little bird, like sprightly thing in the beginning. Yeah. And she has a, a kind of metamorphosis where she kind of becomes her twin oh. later on. Uh, I shouldn't talk about too much, but as an actor, it really was. It was well, the, you know, the movie. The movie's out in the UK at least, right? So, uh, next month. Oh no, October. 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 Okay, sorry. Uh, well, yeah, it's a very interesting movie. Not to, we didn't give any spoilers away. Um, no. <laughs> but I don't think uh, it is a spoiler to give away. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm curious. You know, when you know you're doing such amazing work. At any point in your career, did you ever decide, you know, because like, I think I spoke about this with Daisy Edgar Jones, or, or it was Paul that said this, but like, you know, in America, acting coaches are a really prevalent thing, you know, even like, I don't want to name drop, but some of the, you know, top A-list actors I know, I can say Leonardo DiCaprio, because he's been public about it, still work with acting coaches. Is that something that just doesn't really exist over there? No, I think it does. I've just never done it. Okay. Like, um, yeah, I mean, maybe I should, maybe I can improve. No, you're, you're doing great work. They don't, I, Daisy and, you know, they said they don't either. So I'm just so amazed because. Um, Yeah. I know it's, I think it's more common in the States. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I know a lot of, uh, European actors and they've never done it like French and German. It's not a thing, really. Um, yeah, I've never done it. I mean, the only thing I ever really, really... I mean, I believe in being self-taught in schooling and I I work really hard to study. Like, accents are a big thing. Um, you know, uh, like, I've acted in different languages before and things like that, so it takes a lot of work. Um, that you've yeah. spoken or learned phonetically? I've spoken. I mean, like, uh-huh. so I did quite a large-ish film that was... Um, we ended up shooting in English, but I had to screen test in German. And so my German is reasonably good. I grew up in Germany, but to speak as well as you speak English and be convincingly native is really, is really tricky. You know, you sort of, it's like you, you lose one gradient of nuance as an actor. And um, so that was tough, but then they ended up shooting in English. So it's fine. But uh, I was really, I was excited by the challenge of doing that, you know, and I really admire actors who are multilingual and can act like Chris and Scott Thomas. Yeah, and, uh, you know, so great. Yeah, yeah, and I've always... There's so many now because there's so many European co-productions and multilingual films. Yeah. Um, I really admire that. I mean, I think, you know, the South American community, you know, films are often multilingual as well, right? Well, yeah, and as Netflix and Amazon have kind of moved yeah. there to develop their own regional content, I think that's really helped as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so talk to me about this film that you've been shooting for the last six months, or can you not say much? Um, the one you started in November. Oh, no, I, was on, I seem to have been on a couple of things. So I did a film um, in Belfast uh, called Black Medicine. And so it's my, I mean, they kind of said it's a bit like you were never really here as a female in Belfast. Oh, I love Lynn Ramsey. So that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Um, so the other cast, like Orla Brady, and then, um, a little girl called Amy Beth McNulty, who's, who's Anne with an, is that Dominic or never mind. Uh, So yeah. that, that, and then I went straight on in January. So it was all Belfast based, it seemed to be. Went straight on then to a sci fi called Zone 414 with Guy Pierce. Yeah. Uh, how, how is it acting in that world? Is that challenging for you with the green screen and the. Oh, I love it. Oh, I mean, you I do? That. No, yeah. no. I mean, I, you know, my favorite film of all time is Terminator 2. That's Mine too. It. Oh, man. Yeah. Eddie, Fur- Eddie Furlong, like, oh. <laughs> He should have had such a big career. <laughs> uh, I know, but you know, after that, like, so was it um, American Heart? American History X. It, well, American History X. American yeah. Heart, um, Pecker. Yeah, Pecker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Someday when we grab coffee, I'll have to tell you some Eddie Furlong stories, but that's oh, really? for another. <laughs> yeah. But I bet, have you seen Pet Cemetery too? 
I long like I no, actually I haven't. <laughs> is it is it is it campy? Yeah, it's dreadful, but it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I, I like to see it. That's amazing. And so um, then talk yeah, to me. Yeah, I really, really love um sci fi obsessively. And and then you know, like, you know, I've we talked earlier about print modelings and things like this. As yeah. as you've had these credits, has it been tricky finding financing for your own films or is that something that you've been able to do because you've just you've proven yourself and you have the credentials well i've only this the feature that i'm about to direct is my first feature i've made two shorts um i think i've been quite lucky with because of the films that i've been in because a lot of them have been soft finance which is government fund whether it be bfi or um, Screen Ireland have always been very supportive of me in Northern Ireland Screen. You, they kind of, um, because I've been in lots of their films and I've been developing things with them as a writer, they've been very supportive, especially now with, you know, they're trying to really support women filmmakers. Yeah. And I was kind of in the correct position to do it. And I, you know, you really much have to prove yourself and work your way up. Yeah. Like, you know, I have to do the short film at a certain budget and then the next one at a certain budget. And I made a short film that was part of a project called The Uncertain Kingdom that um, is now on BFI, BFI Player. And so that was a project where in the UK last year where they asked um, 20 filmmakers to make a short on their projections of 2019, 2020. Wow. And so I made one that was kind of like, Sort of, um, like Brit, Brit Marling's a very good reference actually, because I really loved Another Earth. Yeah, I loved me too. And you know, then going on to the OA and everything, like, I really love what she does and shifting hats and seats the way she works. I really admire her. Amy Simetz is another one, you know, Caitlin Shields, that kind of group is yeah. who I've really, really always admired. Um, so, uh, like, I'm sure you know Ty West. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I met Ty many, many years ago, and you know they all came from that kind of Ty West group. They were the first yeah. lot on South by Southwest, and some of them, you know, have done really interesting work. And even Amy Simetz's film is just about to come out. I was going to say, even with the the pandemic, or yeah, I think it's yeah. about released. Okay. But um, but so um, sorry, I distracted. But I've gotten a lot of um support from. Uh, Screen Ireland because of the sort of I guess actor I've been and now filmmaker but it's you know it's you it's very hard to get funding and I think a lot of um, people pursue private equity and then you know you've got to go go a whole different path which is casting that brings finance and And then you got people breathing down your neck creatively and it's just not a fun experience no, and I think often, I mean, I've been in some of those films and it's very hard for those films to have a very, uh, to have a good life yeah. beyond the streaming. They tend to not really have very good festival runs, but you know, they can, there may not be no festivals in the future. Yeah, who knows? You know, I think, you know, once again, it's, it's a big question mark, but yeah. you know, let's, let's say on the op, can you give us, you know, uh, maybe a little plot line about your film? That you're about to shoot? I mean, it's effectively, it's about the gradients of masculinity versus the core inner male. But the actual narrative is um, a man grows up in London and he comes back to find his core roots in Ireland, going back to the bog from which he sprung. And an entangled relationship with a young boy. I don't know. I mean, I should have my elevator pitch better, but no, no, no. I love that. That was perfect. And but it's, usually, not, it's like, it's like, um, it's like environmental sci-fi. Oh, uh, amazing. So it's like, uh, Brent Marling's the East or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So then, um, can you give us a clue about what else is next for you? Or do you um, not know with the pandemic? Well, so there's a couple of things. Like there's a few things that were meant to come out, you know, and so now they'll be coming out later. Yeah. Um, yeah. During this is something that's quite interesting. During lockdown, I shot a Zoom show, which wow. was interesting. Um, a very good friend and someone I write with is called Dolly Wells. Um, she was in. I don't, she. Uh, I mean, what she been? She did a show with Emily Mortimer called Doll and M. She was yeah. In the drag- uh, yeah. 
So she directed like um, a half hour comedy pilot with myself and Brian Cox and plays Bang. And that was a really interesting experience. So that will be going to series. Wow. Yes, but that's... Brian Cox yeah. is going to be doing two shows. Of course he is. I know. I mean, what's yeah. session, you know? Yeah. Oh, so good. But um, two final questions for you, you know? One, you know, I don't mean for it to sound bleak, but hopefully you won't interpret it this way. What, what, What's keeping you inspired right now? Uh, well, I'm pretty busy trying to get a film made. Oh, so you're right. <laughs> you're answering yeah. emails and, you know, no. yeah. It's- it's been very it's been a good time to be in prep you know assuming and hoping that we're allowed to continue on but yeah no i've been pretty busy in this lockdown period Took so adjustment, be- but yeah. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that and then this one is is very light for all the budding filmmakers actors out there abroad or in the u.s or anywhere in the world any words of wisdom advice for them um <laughs> um, writers, cinematographers, it's not just actors, sorry. Yeah. I mean, I really believe in the, like, I'm not going to be silly and poetic here, but really the profound beauty in the artistry of cinema and filmmaking and collaboration. And I don't believe in, uh, I've never really seen it as being, um, the word making it yeah. doesn't really have any meaning to me. I mean, I think it's as, that's why we reference the film or the filmmakers that we talked about earlier, like, Caitlin Shields and Amy Simons is you can make an extraordinary piece of work with your friends in a room. Yeah. And I think especially this time of lockdown, all that has made people be resourceful and creative that way. Yeah. And then I think just pick up a camera or whatever it is that floats your boat and make something. Oh, I love that. Well, Antonia Campbell Hughes, like I had so much fun with you and I would love to do this again when, when your film comes out or whenever the next project comes out. And uh, I can't wait to see how this film is going to turn out that you're about to shoot. You're going to crush it. I'm sending you nothing but love and uh, let's do this again. Thank you so much. Awesome. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. 